0: Hello and welcome to Student Centricity, Trellis Company's podcast for higher ed professionals. I'm your host, Nick Nielsen. Today I'm joined by Lizeth Nguyen and Zachary Taylor, both of whom assist in Trellis Company's student success efforts. Lizeth is a student services support lead at Trellis Company. She began her career coaching and assisting college students through the financial aid process. Since then, she's transitioned to working with colleges and universities, helping them develop strategic communication plans for students, and has been doing so for almost three years. A return guest on Student Centricity, Zachary Taylor has worked in education for almost 15 years and has made over 250 presentations related to higher education communications and digital accessibility for people with disabilities. In this episode, we'll be discussing financial aid communications, what makes them complicated, and what practitioners can do to make them more student-centered. So Liz, why are some financial aid communications so difficult to understand?
1: First off, thank you so much for having me today. I think a major factor is that talking about money in the first place is difficult for many people. It's taboo. Many cultures don't openly talk about money, so we can imagine how hard it can be for a college student whenever they start navigating the financial aid process. They're asked about their parents' financials. Sometimes they are asked to prove what they have submitted in their FAFSA. These are strange waters for a family who doesn't openly talk about money. Now, add the lengthy applications and the complexity of financial aid jargon. So many of the words used in financial aid processes are not widely used outside higher ed institutions. So the parents and their their students don't truly understand what they need to do. We all know the FAFSA is intimidating. It takes a while to complete. So in addition to the uncommon language, there are also a lot of sources and different types of aid. For example, you have federal aid versus institutional aid. You have loans, the Pell Grant. These are the major reasons why financial aid communication is so difficult to understand.
0: And Zach, in in previous podcasts, we've talked about uh, making higher education applications a little bit more accessible to uh, prospective students. And there's a lot of research in that area. But what does research say about financial aid communications and communications campaigns related to, say, getting out the FAFSA and things like that?
2: There are two domains in society that are very, very jargon heavy. One is the medical field. So you go talk to your doctor, you talk to a nurse, and they're constantly trying to simplify the language. Make it language that's easily understood for you. Think about the human anatomy and names of drugs and names of formal diagnoses. It's very, very, you know, jargon and domain specific to the medical field. Exact same thing with the financial field. So as Liz said, not only are the applications very difficult, but you get this very domain-specific language. I don't know any high school students. Who took the financial aid class <laughs> and learned what? What's the FAFSA? What's EFC? What's COA? What's a 4506T? What's the MPN? All these words that are only relegated to student financial aid processes, and, and you know, you only really go through that process once every year when you're a college student, right? So that's where you see some real gaps between first generation and college students and non-first gen students. Those first gen students are really up against some really tough challenges because they don't have quite literally a linguistic translator of the language of financial aid to make it easier for them to understand. And so research has shown first gen students know a lot less about financial aid processes than second, third, fourth, fifth gen students do because they have that cultural translator. They have someone like Liz who knows all the terminology, can kind of, you know, talk the talk and knows how to get through those processes a little bit faster, a little more efficiently. You know, the research also shows that not only is the application, the FAFSA application itself difficult, but institutional financial aid instructions. So these are just instructions on how to complete the FAFSA, just instructions on how to complete a scholarship application. These instructions are written somewhere around the 17th to 18th grade reading level. And, you know, the equivalency of that is it's essentially an upper degree student with, you know, a master's a, a Ph.D. It's, it's graduate level diction, graduate level sentence structure. And we're asking potentially 16, 17, 18 year old first gen students to read that language, understand what it means and then complete the FAFSA. But then the instructions just to complete the application are difficult. Then there's the application itself, and especially difficult for first-gen students without that cultural translator. And we haven't talked about translation yet, but for students who are non-native English speakers, all that financial aid stuff is only ever in English and in very difficult English. And so our English language learners are also up against some considerable challenges that native English speakers absolutely do not encounter like those kids do.
0: Right. And in some of these applications, I mean, like you mentioned, this is very industry-centered, a lot of internal jargon and things like that, a lot of legalese that You know, students who even have a sibling or a parent that went to college might not even understand completely. It's like if you have a problem with your computer and you're not very good with computers, there are words, there are certain phrases that you just won't understand. And so I wanted to ask you, Liz, in your travels in higher ed and helping and coaching students, what are the areas of financial aid that students and families seem to have the most trouble with?
1: I think feeling out the FAFSA is a major hurdle. We discussed it earlier and we will probably continue bringing up the FAFSA, but it includes questions that people feel uncomfortable asking. And it has words that we haven't heard before. It's long. When I was actually a financial coach, many students used to tell me that they thought the FAFSA was a one-time thing. But they would be surprised when they heard that they had to submit this application every year to get financial aid. And this is really just a simple example to illustrate how confusing the application and just the financial aid process can be for students and their families.
0: And Zach, would you agree that completing the FAFSA and understanding the FAFSA is one of the biggest hurdles for students and their families to overcome when uh, seeking out financial aid?
2: Well, I would say it, but that wouldn't be any fun (laughs) because it's true, I think. But I also think other steps on the financial aid journey are just as hard. So I think when students are selected for verification and getting through the verification process, that is again another very domain specific process. And then it gets very tax jargon heavy. It's the domain of the jargon almost shifts a little bit. And that's a really difficult process. I mean, not all students are selected for verification, but many are. And that's a very difficult process. I think the next most difficult process is understanding your offer letter, your financial aid offer letter, because that is where the schools will outline all of your direct costs, some of your indirect costs or different loan types. And then students are presented with choices between unsubsidized and subsidized loans. What's a grant aid versus gift aid versus scholarships versus direct loans versus indirect loans? What does it mean if interest accrues? All this new jargon That actually isn't part of the FAFSA at all, right? You don't select your loan types in the FAFSA. You select your loan types when you get your offer letter, and that's confusing too. So I totally agree with Liz. I think FAFSA is the number one hurdle, but the communication doesn't get any easier from then on out.
0: And so we've talked a lot about federal forms and uh, federal financial aid, but a lot of students uh, have to resort to taking out private loans or other forms of financial aid that maybe aren't through the FAFSA. But are these forms of financial aid any better in terms of simplicity of communication?
2: Not really. And I think part of the reason is folks that work in financial aid usually come from business and finance. You get into a domain, you get into a career get into a field, you start learning the language and you start using the jargon and you become fluent. And that's why, you know, when you learn a language, you're very easily able to kind of think of things off the top of your head and speak off the cuff. And I know the English language, so I can speak it and we can have a conversation and I can speak very fluently in that language. Exact the same concept in financial aid. Those folks have known that language for so long, they live it and they breathe it and they write it and they don't realize that their audience doesn't live it and breathe it and write it. And I think that's where the disconnect is. No matter the process or the the spot a student is in the process on their way to getting aid, the language does not get easier. And they're talking with fluent speakers, like native financial aid speakers, right? If financial aid was a language, they're talking to those native speakers. I don't think a lot of financial aid folks realize how difficult the language is and that they really need to kind of taper it off the best they can. Liz, anything to add?
1: No, I would agree with Zach. And I I think a lot of students too, if they're completing a private loan application, it may be confusing because of the jargon. But then also they don't really understand the difference. And I think we covered that earlier. So to them, all of the aid that they're getting may, they're going to use it to go to school, but it's really coming from different sources and the jargon. And it's just really confusing overall.
0: And so all this to say, we know there's a problem. But what can higher ed practitioners do to try to fix it? What are just some of the very immediate things that people in the financial aid office or uh, in other realms of higher education, what can they do to help students and their families with their financial aid communications? So
2: I think the first step is scaffolding some sort of prior knowledge. So I used to be a teacher and in teaching, Before you start a lesson, you kind of assess a student's prior knowledge, and you kind of understand where the knowledge gaps are, what you need to teach, and how quickly you can teach things, and then where the differentiation has to come in, because you want to kind of meet each student where they are. Also, in the application process, I think when students apply to the institution, they should be primed with some financial aid language. I think they should be reminded in their application to complete the FAFSA, and to complete applications for scholarships. I think a lot of times admissions folks need so much information from students, some demographic information, you know, your first-gen status, you need your high school transcripts, you need an essay, you need your volunteer work, you need your community service information, you need to write a couple of short answers, all this stuff, recommendation letters, all this stuff you need. I think there needs to be a simplicity to the application itself. So making the college admissions application shorter, and it should also prepare students for what's next in the process. They should be primed with information that they're going to encounter later in the process. They should be reminded, complete the FAFSA. This is our school code. Every single school should include a FAFSA nudge and a scholarships nudge in their admissions application. So, as Liz says, you know, a lot of students may think it's a one time thing. If students are primed to complete the FAFSA in their application, they'll complete it that one time and hopefully they'll learn enough about that process to know that it needs to be completed every single year. And then The second point about kind of, you know, increasing simplicity, President Obama did a really nice job in 2015 introducing and finalizing simplification to the FAFSA. There was also another round of simplification two years ago. It cut down quite a few questions and made some questions optional. So if a student or a parent didn't answer a certain way, those questions wouldn't appear. The FAFSA already is way too long. It also needs to be written in active voice. A lot of financial aid language is in passive voice. It's very, very wordy. And then again, the jargon is too complex. So I think financial aid professionals could do a better job of scaffolding that prior knowledge. And then the FAFSA itself, the financial aid award letter, the verification process, the MPN should be simpler. Entrance counseling should be simpler and shorter and should be more interactive. It should be more video based. There should be more uh, visual aids, just like students might need a visual aid for different kind of learning styles. The exact same thing in financial aid communication. Students should be allowed different learning aids to help them understand these processes. So I think the financial aid communication could be simpler at the sentence level, grammatically, Jargon-wise, at the word level, like semantically, it could be semantically simpler, and then it should be much more visual, and there should be, be many more visual aids to help students complete that process, especially for students who they might not learn from text. Maybe they learn from pictures or visualizing a process or watching a video. The more interactive and the more that we can differentiate that content for different learning styles, then we'll absolutely have students complete those processes much more efficiently and much more effectively.
0: And so, Liz, in your meetings with colleges and universities, when you're helping them develop their strategy for communications, uh, what are some of the best practices that you try to impart on them?
1: In short, we just need to do better at communicating the information. And this is what I always say. We know the students like to text and a lot of them do not open emails as often. So it's important to meet the students where they are. Trying to get them through the financial aid process may include a plan to you know, send mail, an email, text, and call. I know this sounds like a lot, but this is important. And if done strategically, it can really work. So we create a lot of plans that include touch points, like I said earlier, via mail, text, call, snail mail. But that's really just mail because the student is seeing the information in different ways. And also you have some students that are going to open all of this communication where some students will only be reading their email, but then some will just be reading their text while others may actually pick up the phone if you know the financial aid office decides to call. So repetition is key. We always, always talk about repetition. It's also important to choose when to communicate too. When texting or calling, you want to know when the message would be best received. So avoiding Friday's Friday evenings, early mornings, late nights, weekends, that's a good practice because the students are probably not going to take action on anything that you're telling them on a Saturday night. You also want the message to be informative and include a clear call to action. This is key. Financial aid communication will most likely always include a call to action. So making this clear in the message will help the students complete the steps that we are requesting. And one last point, we've talked a lot about how complex financial aid can be, the jargon used. So, simplicity is very important when planning these communication plans. I have seen the term financially settled and financially clear both be used where the goal was simply to get the student to make a payment on their account. So, I think we would all agree that this could have been easily communicated by simply telling the student. Hey, you have a balance and you need to make a payment. Here's how to do it. Give them the deadlines, the resources, contact information. So we really need to keep it simple. This was really a long answer, but overall, and really to summarize, we need to understand, and and this is what I talked to the schools about, when we need to communicate to the students, what do we need to say and how are we going to say it?
0: So Zach, if this discussion has piqued anyone's interest and they want to uh, dig a little deeper into this topic, um, are there any resources out there for them to maybe learn more?
2: Absolutely. So here at Trellis Company, we have recorded a couple of really fantastic webinars. I'm biased (laughs) because they're ours, but they're very good. One was a while back called Simplifying and Consolidating Financial Aid Communication, and that is available to the public on the Trellis Company website, as well as inviting one of our kind of thought partners. They're called U Aspire, and they're a nonprofit organization. Their mission is, you know, helping college students understand the finances of college broadly, which is a a mission that they share with Trellis Company. And they were invited a few months ago to present their topic called uh, increasing transparency in your financial aid offers, because students have said that the financial aid offers are very confusing. And on September 15th, we're going to record another webinar with them. It's called Beyond the College Bill, Understanding Direct and Indirect Costs, because there's another uh, really important part of the financial aid process, which is understanding what all your tuition and fees go to, you know, how you're going to afford your, your year, all of your cost of living, that, those sorts of things. So those are some really good resources for folks if they're, they're curious and want to learn more.
0: So simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. That sounds like the key message here is to keep these communications simple, easy to read, free of jargon. That all makes sense to me. And with these actionable pieces of advice, I think we can go ahead and close out our discussion. Liz and Zach, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights on simplifying and improving financial aid communications.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for listening to Students Centricity. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Student Centricity is produced by Trellis Company, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation with the dual mission of helping student borrowers successfully repay their education loans and promoting access and success in higher education.